So we came from um, progressing from our study of the Sermon on the Mount, which is um, the Lord establishing the fulfilled covenant um, through his teaching. So the Sermon on the Mount is instruction, it is prophecy, it is um, not just the teaching. And we believe that the Sermon on the Mount is um, the Lord himself giving us insight and instruction regarding the culture of the kingdom of heaven. It links in with him saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And um, we progressed from there looking at lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. We looked at the um, reality on this side. While we are still in the flesh, that we have to... um, use the talents that he gives us. With other words, he gives up what is his, and we have to um, trade with it in this world, and then that links to us laying up treasure for ourselves in heaven. We looked at works versus entering into the rest. Um, As we move on towards our study of Romans, and the study of Romans will have a very important aspect of law and grace, how that works. And so this is a piece of the picture that... Pardon? No, I said obviously it's Romans. <laughs> this is a piece of the picture that's going to fit in somewhere in between the links of that. And it's been a long time since I've um, faced doing a, a teaching on something that's intimidating. Mm. I'm feeling like this actually is a very difficult uh, part of the big picture to unpack. We're going to try. We've got a ton of scriptures. Mm. Um, so, so when it comes to storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven, it links to what we do while on earth. And yet, we know that works... With other words, any action or works, effort from our side that comes out of a mindset or a heart attitude of adding to our righteousness, adding to our salvation, adding to our positioning and relationship with the Lord, that is works and that's condemned by the word itself um, in relation to the finished work of the cross and the fulfilled covenant. So we are commanded to enter into the rest. The rest is the finished work of uh, Messiah, God himself, Yahweh himself from the beginning, because he finished all his work and sat down on the seventh day. And so finding the balance in our time, in our lives, uh, finding the balance of uh, the finished work, and yet we have responsibilities. We have a responsibility to respond in the right way. We have to deal with some of the complicated issues in the Word. And uh, Zavia brought a question, and it brought to our attention that out there in the, in the church, there's a real doctrine, a real mindset, and it's, it's historic. Uh, it's been 
an historic doctrine and teaching in the church that um, we'll be judged according to our works so that we can be rewarded. And uh, the church, the Christian world, believes there's a separate event from the white throne judgment. I tend Two to judgments. forget. Yeah, I tend to forget there's, there's that, that dynamic. They call it the Bema. Yeah. Well, Bema, Bema, I don't know, depending on One who you speak to. One of the sites that you pronounce it Bema. Anyways, there's this reality. I've never heard of it before this week. <laughs> so we're going to try our best to address... Um, the reality of predestination, the reality of purpose in our individual lives, the reality of um, the works that have been prepared for our hands to do. And at the same time, we have to look at judgment, we have to look at His return, we have to look at glory, even just to, ad just to address this issue. It's a big Big and it's tricky question. because there are plenty scriptures to consider, but at the same time, very little that defines it like explicitly. I don't know. It's kind of it's complicated. But we'll go through the scriptures. So let's just start to unpack this. The only way that we can do this is by unpacking it. So it's a big box of goodies that we need to just unpack. So we're always searching out to see what's in the recesses of our mind, what is left over from the worldly mindset. Because many of us have been in subtle ways exposed to this idea that, you know, and we cannot slide into the, into the um, passive mindset of, well, grace and the Holy Spirit is just going to do everything. I've got nothing to do because there is enter into His rest. There's something we have to do. We have to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And, and there yet, are works prepared for our hands. There are works prepared for our hands. And yet, um, we're not supposed to go into works. So there are works, but it's not works. I just want to add to the thinking behind the, the video is the mindset of heaven isn't now. Like, it's a place I'm going to go when I'm dead. Mm. Yeah. So, just to put that in perspective, mm. a lot of people don't think they have access to heaven now. It's like, I've just got to do, 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 and then I'll see yeah. what happens when I get there. Mm. You run the race, and then I'm at the end. So, it sounds pretty much like um, the way this world works. So, we are going to put something on the website, but I want to state for the first time this, that we emphatically reject the Greco-Roman gospel in its totality. There's a, there's a Greco-Roman gospel that has flooded this world. It is the... Um, Ro uh, it is the Greek mythology gospel. Greek mythology gospel. And um, much of this kind of thinking spills over from that, but we've still got to look at what the scripture says, because let's go to the scripture that says our works will be tested by fire, because that's what they would quote. Yeah. So that is 
What would convince most one, people? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read from verse 12. <clears throat> now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now if you read it like that, it really sounds like everything we've done in life is going to be tested by fire and you can convince someone that it's gonna, you're going to be judged. Your life is going to be scrutinized. If you read it like that. But what if we read it from the beginning? Chapter 3. Not from the beginning of the Bible, just the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But keep 3. in mind the rest of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's actually read from uh, chapter, uh, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? As the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Paul has laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. So this piece of scripture is very specific. So it has a very specific focus. It means that anyone that will come and become a worker, a helper, a volunteer in building the Lord's house, um, their work done on the Lord's house will be tested. Because he says, he and Apollos, they both planted, they both watered. God is the one that gives the increase. Still, the work will be scrutinized and tested. That was the work done to the body, with the body, in the body, concerning the body, concerning the body of Messiah. He says, he as a master builder has laid the foundation. And then he says, um, and another builds on it. means that others are going to come after Paul and Apollos and John and Peter, and they're going to continue building on the foundation that was laid by the apostles. Then he says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Yahushua HaMashiach. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will 
test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone work, anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So this is very specific. It's got a focus. It is absolutely focused on how every person that interacts in fellowship with the body of Messiah, their actions and their responses, their walk, their contribution, uh, how it influences and how it contributes to the uh, perfection of the bride. Easy as that. Okay. Now, how does that pertain to predestination and calling? Mm. Okay, so let's look at some of the questions we're looking at. So first, one of the first things we need to address and answer is that, um, according to this clip, there has to either be a different scenario, different scene playing off at the white throne judgment, or there has to be another judgment. Did that look like the day of the glory of the Lord? Because it looked like there was a lot of fires burning up everybody's lives. So it's just fire and brimstone and smoke everywhere. <laughs> the glory of the Lord. No, not a very glorious day. He's going to have his wedding day and that's how it's going <laughs> to go down. Ah, destruction! First he calls the, each one of them sun and then he burns him in fire. So no, they're not burned, they're just their works. They work. You must I remember. Yes, we're no, going, he doesn't burn them. We're going to look works. at the doctrine now so that we can make sure that we don't have any of those mindsets in us. The danger is, of course, that if we reject that kind of thinking com completely and totally, then we might end up with um, a whole lot of believers that don't end up doing anything. Might happen. It's a big problem in the world where a lot of people will end up being believers, but they will not actually enter in to God's purposes for their lives. So is there purposes for individual people's lives? And what are they? Paul is actually um, making a very big statement about the, his apostleship. He's saying that his teachings... The gospel that he preached has laid the foundation for every generation after that, every generation of believers to only build upon what he has laid. So he actually emphatically um, uh, claims for himself the right to say that no one else should build on anything else. He has laid the foundation of Yahweh through Mashiach. Now this brings us to the, the Gospel of Messiah. 
the doctrine of Messiah. And the doctrine of Messiah is what all of this boils down to in the end of the day. It's, um, it's what's, what it's going to boil down to now. Okay. What's the other scripture they used in Ephesians? Oh, yes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yahushua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This, again, fits beautifully into the whole central theme of figuring out the difference between works, good works in the Lord that He prepared for us, and uh, predestination, what it is, and then, of course, rests, rest and so forth. So, let's read from verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Yahushua HaMashiach, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Messiah Yahushua. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in uh, Messiah Yahushua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. So we were created beforehand in Messiah. Okay. For good works with God, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. For good works. How do we figure out, how do we discern... Find out from the Lord, hear from the Lord what those good works are. And how does it pertain to our status with God? So let's quickly see what we have in our hearts and our minds. Right now, as you're sitting there, do you consider that you have to find out from the Lord specifically what um, the good works are that He's prepared for you next week so that you can try and walk them out. Isn't your life already full and by a lot of your time already spent? And um, how do we balance the two? question would then pop up. Am I busy with the right things? Am I busy with the wrong things? I'm waiting for the Lord to call me to India, and in the meantime, while I'm not hearing anything from Him, I have to work and hate every moment of it. Or, I don't want to be called to India, and I just want to go to the office and maybe witness to the Muslim that works with me over coffee every lunchtime. That's what I want to do. It's a, real, it's a reality, isn't it? Christians deal with this stuff. And the balance of it is, and I've had to really search my thinking as well this week, is that I have met people that, are specific, that were specifically gifted, 
with uh, some level of five-fold makeup that could benefit the body and that I believe we're supposed to specifically serve the Lord more in the gospel. But they felt that the Lord called them to raise their family, their kids, and just look after their family. And I must admit, I've often looked at them and gone like, you're missing, you're missing your, your privilege. You're missing out on your inheritance. So it's a reality. So how much of a specific calling can there be on each person's life? Let's quickly talk about it. What, what, what do we have in our minds? What do we have in our minds? Um, ever since I can remember, I just wondered like why am I here? Because you can't just be here and then you do everything like everyone does it and then you die. And then you were the best in your little world. And so I believed from when I was small that it was specifically I could do. And then I started to wonder if you go off the road, if you like just miss that one quarter, if I go to Stellenbosch University instead of doing Fontaine, maybe I'd miss my old calling. And then maybe if I just date the wrong guy, I'd miss my old calling. Or if I don't go to pick and play in that moment, where I will meet someone that calls me to this place. Mm. It's been a stressor in my life. It's been a stressor. And even, um, even in that, there has been a lot of ministry. Like, you are, there's mission written on your head. And <laughs> I don't know whatever they say. And um, I've been, like, you know, really been struggling with that. Because mm. what, what, if, what if it doesn't go well in what you believe you're called to do? Mm. You know, maybe it's faith or whatever, but... It's, 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 it's been a burden. It's been a burden. That helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Complicated. It's a complicated question. Everybody's realizing this is a complicated topic. Okay, so on the one hand, you have some believers that really don't care. They're really just going to live their lives, put some money in the little thing that's going to come past on a Sunday, bake a cake for the bazaar, and that's about it. So um, my faith is going to be childlike. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, the childlike. And and that that could really be going wrong, because, I mean, a lot of people choose how they're going to fellowship, where they're going to fellowship, and how they're going to live their their faith out, they're going to choose it according to where their kids like to go to church. Mm. Okay? So, obviously there's going to be a huge margin of error when you just make decisions according to whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever pleases everybody. That's a big problem. And yet, we don't believe that we're going to be judged according to our deeds. So what's going to govern, if we're not judged for it, what's going to govern? Well, this mindset says, well, it's not a judgment of our works, it's, and the purpose is to reward us. That's the actual doctrine. They so say, well, a, yeah, a doctrine around the, they call it the judgment seat of Christ? The BMO judgment seat. It's, it's a Greek word 
for judgment seat. The thing that we spoke about last week of the judgment seat being a, an elevated seat and then the judgment is passed down. But they say that's a different... So somewhere between the rapture and the return where the saints have been perfected, somewhere in between that is the judgment seat of Christ where only the believers appear and then it's not for them to be judged. It's for them to be rewarded for the things that they did correctly according to God's specific will for their lives. So some will be given rewards and some will lose rewards according to what that they could have potentially that's, had. That's the doctrine. And so the idea is, so there's, it's a big doctrine out there and we educate ourselves regarding what is being taught because we are going to bring a gospel to a world that will not like our, our Bible, the true gospel, because they've got another gospel. Okay, so this is the idea. Most of the people that believe in this judgment also believe in a rapture somewhere in the storyline. And so the idea is that God removes all the believers from the world. They're going to appear before his BMR judgment seat. There, some of it's not a judgment because we're believers. All our sins have been forgiven, but your works, according to predestination, what he has determined for you to do, will be that will be weighed and judged. And some will be rewarded and some not. And the reward, they believe, some of it will be crowns that is received. Crown of uh, righteousness, crown of glory, crown of joy, crowns. And then the, those, all those believers will return with the Lord because now the white robes, the white Yeah, it garments, says that the bride is not clothed in bright, <clears throat> fine linen. And that's the rewards. And so that is the bride that's now going to return with the Lord to come and judge the world. So that's the doctrine that's out there. No, it's, it's subtle in every way. It's, it's subtle, subtle everywhere. So you can go to most forms of believers and somewhere they will have some of this in their minds. Also yes. that's where the scripture with the mansions and everything tie in. Yeah. You'll have a mansion or you'll have like a shack kind of, mm. you know, according that kind to what of, you did. That kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, and there's some, some scripture references where the Lord says anybody that teaches not to do the things in the law, they will be the least in mm. heaven and others will be more. So there's this kind of judgment spoken out over believers. But now the interesting thing is this has to happen somewhere before the return of the Lord, because now the saints has to return with him to judge the world. Okay, so now we're going to vote. It's a democratic system. <laughs> if you just think about the whole idea that we're going to come and judge with him. Now, it looks like the scripture says that. Now, we're going to quickly look at, for us as the saints, how do we judge the world? What, how do we cast our vote? Let's think about that question quickly. How do we cast our vote? Because it says that we will judge angels and we will judge the world. How do we judge? Are we going to wait there and then go like the Lord is going to ask, what is your verdict? And I'm going to have to decide, was the world um, wicked or righteous? Doesn't it seem like he's cast the judgment already? Like a jury. So, so has anybody thought about this before? It says we're going to judge, and we go like, oh, we're going to judge with the Lord. 
In what way? In what way? How does it work? When, how do we judge? Because maybe it's time to decide what our judgment is going to be. Or, sh or shall we just decide when we get there? I'll go for what, whatever you decide. I'll go like, yes. Okay. I agree. Maybe we can just make a little group and we kind See, of like decide a jury. together. Yes. It's exactly like a jury. So what if I decide to, to judge not according to his judgment? I go like, no, we should just forgive everybody. Wait, that's exactly what they're saying. We should just forgive everybody. Everybody should be saved. Maybe I've heard that most of the Christian world has decided that he should judge the economic system in this world righteous and redeem it because he's going to now raise up Christians in the marketplace and give them dominion over it. Isn't that the, the Oh, what yeah, the because says? we want to rule and reign on earth. Yes, yes, of course. Yes. And then, of course, how do we judge the um, democratic system of the world? Most churches weigh in, and most church leaders weigh in on that judgment favorably. They want to build the nation, especially America, it has to be built. And um, democracy is voted, is getting the yes vote from most believers. So how are we actually voting already? Are we already voting? Are we already judging the world? Most Christians are judging the world, well, democracy is a good thing. Is it? Is the economic system of our world a good thing? Is the educational system in our world from God and according to the kingdom? So the question is when and how do we cast our vote? Because it does say we will judge with him. How do we judge? Aren't we just part of him because we have the body, but he is the head? So we are dead because we are part of him. But it says the saints will judge. We have to answer the question. Because this might come up in a conversation with someone, and if we just, we don't want to just bypass necessarily, we want to be able to understand. Exactly. It all boils down to one man, but you can't go like, well, one man is well, the answer. And then they go like, I've never Jesus said, well, that's your bad. So how do we judge? When do we vote? How do we vote? We make a decision, and each true believer will make a decision, to put off the things of the world and the fleshly body, to be baptized, die to self, die to all that is in the world, and choose the kingdom of heaven, to choose his judgments, his statutes and his laws, to obey his sayings and his precepts, and to devote our lives to maturing by his spirit according to his word and for the sake of his glory, to the praise of his glory. So we vote by getting baptized. That was the judgment. When will you pass judgment? You choose to enter into his death and to receive your judgment according to the judgment on the cross. So he took my sin upon the cross and we 
answer the call to die to self and to be resurrected in him. That is a total emphatic rejection of the world. So baptism is a complete and utter rejection of all that is of this creation. Because this creation we believe is passing away, will be burned up with fire, this creation will be burned up with fire. So what in the believer's life is going to be tested by fire? What are the works that will be tested, weighed? All in the relation to the body, the kingdom, the fellowship, and yourself and as a new creation, all that was done in accordance and agreement with this creation. That is why we're always teaching everybody to constantly interpret everything and think everything according to the two realms. Kingdom, everything. Hmm? Exactly. So do you see how this links into everything else we've been doing over the last little bit? But now we, we cast our vote, we judge with him, this world is rejectable and must be judged. So the Bema, judgment seat of Messiah, is actually... Uh, Wrong interpretation of the heaven is his throne and the earth is footstool. This place has been created. This place exists. Earth exists for the purpose of judgment. That's why it's here. Everything in it exists for the purpose of judgment. Everything that has been translated into the kingdom of his son that is elevated and redeemed. Now, the problem is, after we've cast our vote, and we, have, and we have actually judged together with him, according to this one simple thing, the earth is to be rejected, and the things of the kingdom of heaven is to be embraced. Uh, the question is, after we cast our vote, do we continue then to build according to the ways of this world? Because then that will be burned with, together with everything else. So every word that we speak in agreement with a worldly mindset, all the actions that agree with that, all our choosing that agrees with that. So, what does it boil down to then? If we then look at this kind of speaking, it means that anything, any doctrine, any speaking, any thinking that is in accordance not with the word, but in accordance to the thinking of this world, is what will be burnt and what will be judged then how much of our thinking, our own lives, will be futile if we do not correct it according to the Word? That's why we're doing this kind of study. I'm going to read this. Are we, are we, are we thinking? What's happening? Yeah. Is everybody making little assessments right now? <laughs> so it's not, about, it's not about what you do for work. It's not about what you do how well, because people think they'll be rewarded according to how well they work. It's with the hard attitude of kingdom compared to the hard attitude of world. Are we seeing this very 
clear dividing line. Okay. Are we going to... Um, yes, but John. Can I read? I'm going to read this scripture because it says what you just said. Okay. okay. In 2 Peter chapter 3 from verse 10... But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Question. <clears throat> when is this burning up going to happen? Is it all going to happen one day there? Are they going to review our lives and then decide that must be burned, that can be redeemed, that must be burned? Does that make any common sense? It's like every day at work. Every day of your life at work is going to be reviewed. That sounds like a very boring day of the Lord. I mean... <laughs> I'll be the guy sleeping in church. Thank goodness we have eternity. But, yo. Okay, that burning up, the building into and the burning up, where does it happen? Does it, it happens all the time. Now, if Peter and Paul was um, charged with the responsibility and the destiny, of building the church, does it mean that so much of their work was unacceptable that um, most of it got burned up? Hmm. Others were building on the foundation. So, but the question was, does it mean that Paul and Peter that was charged by the Lord, predestined, gifted, given the responsibility to build the church, build the body, the kingdom on earth. Messiah says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And now... Uh, Paul says at the end of his ministry, they've all gone. I'm just left alone. And then they kill him. So did he do so badly that all his work was burnt up, destroyed? You see, because others are holding into this work, the building of the Lord continuously. So why isn't this a ministry with 500 or 1,000 people in it? Because we are steadfastly trying to only build on the foundation of the apostles, which is Yahushua HaMashiach. But others will come and build their lives, try and build their lives into that, but they will become contentious, they will still try and build an idol into what they're building, and it will be burned up. This becomes complicated. So when we see in our lives that something is just repeating, 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 we have to figure out, are we building according to the foundation laid by the apostles? It now becomes very 
simple in every area of our lives. Are we busy building according to what the apostles laid as foundation? What is the foundation? This earth will be passing away, so we should invest our lives in the things of the kingdom of heaven. The most important thing that we, the most important focus of our lives is firstly becoming part of fellowship in Messiah, so becoming part of the body. So we know that takes a whole lot of um, work from the Holy Spirit. So for us to become part of the body, a lot of other stuff have to be burned up. So the burning up isn't just a bad thing. We want the hay and the stuff to be burned up. The more we're trying to build into the body, our lives into the body, the harder it gets. <coughs> All right. So the thinking would be, and this is what we, this is why we're doing this teaching, because this, this is how we, we find the correction. So the thinking would be, one day when the Lord has uh, led me into the vision of His will, I believe. So there's nothing wrong with believing that He has a, He's shown me some of His the will for my life. But now the thinking would be that one day when the Lord has blessed me with a business, and I'm set up in the business world, then I'm going to support the body. But in the meantime, um, I work at the car wash and I'm only earning a hundred bucks a day. When is the right time to start investing in the body? <laughs> Friday when you receive your wages, that's the right time, because that is going to determine how you're going to advance or walk out that road in the right direction of where the Lord has set you up. But what we do is, we're thinking, when I get there, then I'll do what the Lord has called me to do. When I finish my studies, I'll do what the Lord had called me to do. It's, it's true. That's how we think. That's how we think. In the meanwhile... This is it. This, today, today is it. Are you called to evangelize? Are you called to evangelize? Today, today is it. You can't evangelize if you don't know the word. So today, you are equipping for the moment when the, door opens the, the Lord opens the door. So Paul is specifically called by the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to look at his attitude towards that? Acts 26. Let's just read from verse 16 because we just want to focus on the point. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then we see him saying, he is praying that the Lord will open a door for the, for the gospel. So God gives him this 
commandment calls him, sovereignly calls him. But he's a man that says, pray together with me and pray for me that the Lord will open doors for the gospel. What did it take for him to fulfill this commandment? He had to just walk to places and towns. So when it comes to to our part in it, our role in this whole thing, the earth is the footstool, it's the place of judgment. And the, the kingdom of heaven, the heavens are his throne. So we learn to live according to that and then live our lives here on a daily basis according to his great purpose. What is his purpose? What is his purpose on earth with us? What do you have to become? Okay. Okay? Like him, but for a witness and a testimony. Witness and testimony of what? Pardon? Of his goodness. Of his goodness? What else? His finished work. His finished work? His perfect plan? That's why we teach the plan in the Bible into every, everything we do, everything we say, we're always focused on the plan. Why? Because that's what we are to witness to. Our lives are as one purpose, to witness to that. So if we look at the, the big picture, <clears throat> then it boils down to exactly that. If all the works, if the entire world, all the heavens and all the works that are in it will be burned up, the only thing that remains is his body in perfection. Which means that even all the works that are prepared for our hands would be, as he says, to be a witness and a testimony of the fact that that is what God is going to do and has already done. And uh, the works will be towards the body so that we can get to the state of perfection that we have been predestined to. So that could be done in any way. In some people's lives, there would be more specific ways from God that that has to be achieved. And in others, maybe not as specific, but it all comes down to the exact same thing. It would be to have the seed of God redeemed to God. That's what it comes down to. Because nothing else will remain. So if we just look at the very big picture, that's, that's what we revolve around. <clears throat> Now let, let's quickly look at the question for the individual. Well, is there a specific calling and destiny for every person? Because we don't want to just live without vision, live without purpose. And yet we can talk about the big picture. Yes, the big picture is the body must be sanctified, separated, perfected. Everything we do should be for fellowship with the body. Everything we do. Not church. Everything we do should be about the body. There's something we've known and heard, but what's the full measure of everything we do and say and think should be in relation to the 
edifying and the building up of the body. So, out there in the church, they are calling people to devote their lives to building the church, serving in church, doing all kinds of stuff. Pardon? Volunteering. Volunteering. But this is different. Sounds like the same thing. It's different. You see, the one works with a vision of, again, one day I'll be ready to serve the body in my position. The other goes from a position of, I am to serve the body now with whatever I have. And as I do that, I will be equipping more and more so that I can serve the body in greater ways. But it's not waiting for an event where finally now I have my chance to serve the body. We do it with every breath we breathe, every decision we make, every action, every reaction. A person that has truly come to the cross, truly baptized into Messiah, all our sin is forgiven. What does it mean, all our sin is forgiven? It means that all of that has to play out here. Can we have a look at the wonderful calling on the man's life in... Mm. Okay, uh, Exodus chapter 31. Now the question remains then, how do we figure out what we're supposed to do? Surely God has a plan for the career you have, for the work you're doing, for where you're supposed to live, who you're supposed to marry... How many kids are you supposed to have all of that, surely? How do we figure it out? Are you supposed to? Because that video said, if you had sought the Lord, then He would have revealed to you. Okay. So, Handi, what your skill set is, what you're doing in life, the work focus you have, you were praying when you were five years old, got a vision from the Lord, and He told you to do this, isn't it? Apparently. <laughs> Did you kind of arrive at this point, life just kind of brought you there. Now this is where we want to get to. Okay. There's very few people that can claim that for the last 10 years I have been executing God's commandments <laughs> exactly where? and that's why where? I am. Um, so he sent me to Cape Town. I complained for three years. I don't want to, please let me go. I planned my exit over Your and exodus. over. Okay, I had all kinds of plans. I would formulate them anywhere warmer. I don't care where, just sunshine. So this is literally what happens. We kind of, sometimes you'll just send us and guide us in ways that we didn't want to, if it was up to us. And yet, here we are. Okay, let's see. Okay, uh, from verse 1. 31, 31, from verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, and then they have to make everything. 
<clears throat> so they making okay so this guy is going to make the tabernacle of meeting the ark of the testimony the mercy seat, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, the labor and its base, the garments of ministry. Wait a minute. He's going from carpentry to sewing this guy. And he's going to make the anointing oil. And he's going to make the anointing oil. Big deal. So they had interviews <laughs> like Aaron and Moses and the guys they sat they interviewed they checked the skill people set had to bring people. models and um, a portfolio of what they had done exactly and then eventually they chose the best artisan so where does this guy come from out of the blue. God kind of decided. So I'm pretty sure this guy, when he started out, um, being an apprentice, he didn't know. He probably became an apprentice in Egypt already. Didn't know that he was going to build the altar. What about the rest of all the Israelites? Maybe there were some good artisans that could have helped. Yeah. Interesting. There are others that do help, but when they record, when everything is made, they write it down in a way that it's only this Bezalel guy that it seems like, because it says, then he made, he made, he made, and he then made. he did this, and he did that. And yet, it does say that there were others, somewhere it says that there were others that also helped him. And yet, it seems like he's getting the credit. <laughs> mm, brings us to one of those bitter pulls in life. Isn't it? Because each one of us want to be Moses. Or at least King David in the good times. <laughs> you know, the latter years. And that's the kind of thing they'll prophesy to you. No matter where they get you, in which season of your life they find you, they will say the latter years will be better than the... And his children were chaotic, I mean. How long is he going to run away from Saul, live with the Philistines? I don't even know how long he lives with the Philistines, but he runs away for about 30 years. For about 30 years. Okay, but I have heard so many people say, the Lord, the Lord is calling you like he called David, and he's going to call you his friend. They love those kind of prophecies. I'm going like, I don't want to live with the Philistines 30 years. <laughs> Well, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, when the Lord called me, I ran. 
I mean, the lady said to me, he's calling you like he called John the Baptist. I was like, I don't want to eat grasshoppers, locusts, no. So I ran. I ran for years. Okay, because, yeah, that's true. So, I ate locusts for a long time because I didn't want to. So the fact of the matter, not really, but I mean spiritually. The fact is that, um, let's just get to this very important bit. Yes, God has purposes for our lives and for every, every generation and every person's life, every one of the elect is going to contribute to some part of the picture. So what does God, all the instructions and the, the encouragements uh, to the Israelites over the 400 years in Egypt, can we read those please? Let's go to the section in the Bible where he's encouraging them, reminding them of the plan. 400 years in Israel, ach, in Egypt. Where, where, aren't you going to go there? Don't you know where it is? No, I don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in this book. <laughs> so 400 years, it's prophesied to Abraham that his descendants, that is uh, the promise, and uh, part of the promise and part of the plan, they will go into Egypt for 400 years. And then it says, the Lord heard their cry. cry and remembered them. 400 years, they're part of the plan. They are where they're supposed to be and God doesn't talk to them. But they are a very specific, specific generation, aren't they? So why are we saying this? saying this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for you to think, waiting for you to arrive at the answer. Life, God is sovereign and almighty and we just don't understand how he's going to work all these little strands together the way he does. Now we want to Pay attention. The more we pay attention, the more we seek him for his specific world, the better we're going to walk it out. But we don't want to make the mistake to seek him for the big stuff all the time. And it becomes real complicated when we look at the lives that we have. So the Lord will sometimes work things into our lives that we will have to walk out um, in obedience and in devotion, sometimes the small little things. And yet, we still have to make sure that we're not busy with the wrong little things. Yeah? Because there's some people that will ask for counseling and my job is to seek the body and to serve the body, but some people will be counseled for three or four years without fruit. And I have been busy with some people that I shouldn't have been in the past. All that work 
uh, went up in smoke. So we can look like we're busy with the right thing. And there's the, this balance. It's about, again, we're back at what? The heart attitudes. Mm. But we have to match it up with the word of the Lord. So if we are busy taking food to feed the poor, but we're not, they're not repenting and they're not becoming kingdom, then what are we busy doing? Is the Lord going to reward us for that? Well, he would reward us if those relationships lasted and those people became brothers and sisters and they started bearing fruit. That would be the reward. Or is there a day where the reward will be handed out? It's the question we're looking at. It's a real question. What are we, what are we thinking? It will determine how we act, how we live, how we make our decisions. And sometimes we go do what the Lord laid on our hearts and we mess it up and then we mess it up and then we ask why Lord why why didn't you bless why didn't this work out we messed it up is that something we can look at hmm. when we messed it up this guy however that was responsible for the tabernacle the Lord anointed him could his spirit in him called him and so from the Lord's side he made sure this guy was going to do the job he did the job and then they saw how does this thing work how does this thing work was Moses supposed to go into the promised land or not is it worth us asking these questions what happened with Moses? Did he just not walk circumspectly for a few moments? What happened to Saul? What did he do wrong? He did what wasn't his thing to do. What happened to Korah and the sons of Korah? They didn't want to do what the Lord called them to do. They wanted to, to do something else. So when do we suffer loss? When we start taking stuff on that's not ours? Start doing what we weren't called to do? Or when we're not doing what we were called to do? Mm -hmm. I think... For me, the, the, um, the substance and the example that we gain from the nation of Israel, um, I think illustrates this really well. Because you have something like a scenario where you have King David, who is the king and the prophet and the worshiper, and there's a high priest and there's the whole order that are actively serving God. And then you have the nation of Israel. And... We just know they're the nation of Israel. No one seems to stand out or, you know, it seems like there's not this element, oh, God has something big and specific planned for every person. We just know that's not a reality. And yet, it's not like they're not contributing anything. It's not like their lives are worthless. 
every day the farmer and the baker and the blacksmith are going to do what they do faithfully according to the ways of God for the benefit of every other um, individual in the nation so that everyone can grow and everyone can stay within the perimeters of the ways of God so that everyone can be safe and so that everyone can prosper. Had they decided, had the blacksmith decided, oh no, my job's too boring and I don't want to do this because it doesn't matter anyway, he turns rebellious. Now that some others also decide, yeah, good point, our lives don't amount to anything. Then we all know what happens when they start, when the nation, so not the guys that seem to be anointed, the nation turns away, then there's catastrophe. So just in the nation, looking out for each other in the way that they just diligently, day by day, walk within the ways of God, they are keeping the entire nation safe. The entire nation of Israel is prospered, blessed by God, and they are witness to each other and to the rest of the world of God's goodness and faithfulness in the way that they do that. So, yeah. So it might be that there are certain callings in certain generations for certain things to manifest according to God's specific will, but it doesn't um, minimize the day-to-day -day staying within His plan and walking out His ways. So I can be running out and I can be spending my days praying for every sick person on the street. Isn't that what he commanded us to do? Drive out demons, heal the sick. So the kind of right thing to do is just go do this every spare moment, just pray for the sick and drive out demons. See how this thing fits together. Because I could be busy with doing a lot of right things and not be available to do what the Lord has prepared for me to do. So, practically speaking, we want to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to His leading, but it's going to come from a focus, an attitude of His body. What is He building? How is He building? How am I building with Him? So, the scripture that they used was a scripture about someone being on the building site, and they're building, and the foreman is going to come past and go like, you can't build like this, this is the temple. No man, come break down the bricks you've laid and do it properly. That's basically the scripture that they quoted. And that's going to happen while we're building the house. What's the purpose of correcting our work when we get there? The house is built. Can we go back to the whole judgment day yes. thing? So, <clears throat> when we just look at the dividing line, the big picture of getting to judgment day, um, the first thing to keep in mind is that when everyone appears in front of the white throne to be judged, they are already split up in two groups. We know that. The goats and the sheep, those on the right-hand side, those on the left-hand side. And we also know that it speaks about, if you go read 
wherever it refers to God being the judge, it says that he will judge the living and the dead. I think subconsciously we have this idea of, oh, he's going to judge those who have already died and then those who were alive when he came. Mm -hmm. But no, because at the white throne judgment, the earth and everything has already been burnt up, so that no longer exists. So everyone has gone through the first death. Okay, so now they appear, the living and the dead. So now there's not much, and then we know it says that books were opened and then another book was opened. Okay, we all know this. I'm just refreshing our memory on things that we know. So we're not going to get there and then God's going to decide who is he going to save and who is he not going to save. Those that are in him are already alive. They are saved. So that's done. Okay. The, the very important thing to remember is that the finished work, the fa those that are saved and everything that remains, God has done. When we get to this side, everything that's there is what God has done. That's the only thing that remains. The reason is because all the glory belongs to Him. Don't go there yet. Okay. I want you to just read the scripture. Um, about that which we have done in the body. Let's, let's take okay. the steps. And then you can get to that place. <clears throat> okay, now we're just going to look at what the scripture says about what we spoke about. So what I was trying to do is get everybody to think about the question, the bigger question, question start to factor in what we know about the word, and about the eternal plan. Because this is the purpose of everything we do in discipleship. We become the representatives of the plan, how we think, how we do, what we do, so that we can become witnesses and a testimony to the plan. We only become witnesses of his finished work. We become witnesses and testimony of his will, his perfect will. And we should not actually be doing anything else, anything outside of that. And it will be in the context of our lives, what we do and what we have done. So nothing that we have done will be lost if we start correcting our, the attitude of our heart and our mindsets now. As we correct it, everything, he will use everything that is, we don't know what he put in place. Okay, so we don't know how much of where we come from was part of his plan, even the negatives. But we have to make sure that we correct everything in our hearts and our minds now to be in line with his plan so that he can use all of that. Okay. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From verse 9. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust our well-known in your consciences. Okay, so does it say we'll appear before the judgment seat of Messiah so that each will receive what has been done in the body? What do we do with that? It depends on whether we think it's them. It depends on? 
on whether we think it's a timeline. A timeline. If you, if you think outside of time, you, exactly. you do it when you're baptized. You do it when you're baptized. But what if somebody says to you, but it does say that we will receive judgment on what we have done? What do we do with that? See what I'm trying to look at. Uh, it's a reality. Okay. What if somebody says to you, he, the Bible says we will be judged according to our works. You could, but to theorize that it's only about what we've done in the body, could a person would very easily debate that it says done in our body. Mm. Done in our body. So how can we de define whether he's referring to a spiritual body or the physical body? Any person that we're going to speak to that wants to prove the point will be able to make a very strong point that he's talking about a physical body. Mm. Read it again. Uh, therefore we make it our aim, whether <clears throat> present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now we could link it with scriptures that says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So what does that mean? Can, can I just ask? Yes. How can you say that he, uh, he's possibly thinking physical body if, if he said to put off the flesh? So how can they take that argument? Because my hands and my mouth are still going to do things. It's just not going to come from the flesh. But my body will still be used to do things in the world. <clears throat> the reality is that people that are already baptized are going to transgress. Or, okay, this is the most important thing that I want us to focus on today. It is how much of that which is important to the Lord regarding my life here, how much of it am I supposed to fulfill, walk out, discern? Am I supposed to, to figure out, to hear, to know what my life means, what it's here for? And how much of it am I supposed to live out? What is my life for? And is there any consequence if... I don't respond to what the Holy Spirit is asking of me or leading me into. So is it this person that was called by God, the artisan, to make the items for the tabernacle? Okay. If he's making the, if he's, when he's busy making the mercy seat and he's cussing and swearing at the people helping him, mm. what would happen to him? What, 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 did God just have to prepare his skill set so that he could make these things, or did he put his spirit in him and anoint him? So he had to have his character formed, his person formed, 
a mindset formed. Doesn't make sense. Okay, now cussing and swearing is one thing. Read that scripture for us again, please. Done in the body. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is what I'm trying to get us to see. What is in our mindset, what is in our way of thinking that is supposed to be revealed by this question? What is supposed to be revealed by this question? I'm trying to shine a light in a certain place. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Present in the body, absent in the body. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear. This is, this is in taking any part of our, what we believe the gospel is. One man, outside of time, finished work. This is a scripture where they will try and nail everything to the cross again. Because they're going to say, yes, but we are going to be judged on a day. Okay. Still confused? Let's read in context. Now we can do context. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. So Paul is saying, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. Okay. So it says we will receive something. Now let's look at this. This is very important. If we are going to look at the white throne judgment, and we want to say that there's going to be a moment, an uh, event, where we are going to receive what was done in the body. Now, let's quickly look at this. If sin is not doing the will of God, if sin, missing the mark, is missing the person of Messiah, now we can say, well, that means we have to become like Him, but the rest of the world also believes that. What does that mean, become like him? Do I now have to become sinless, holy, completely wise, knowing the will of God completely, walking well-pleasing to him? Um, is, that, is that the mark? Is that eating the mark? Then anything 
falling short of that, according to if we say this is a judgment, it means I'm in big trouble. If we are going to say, well, he's going to judge us according to how much of his will we, did, we lived out on earth, then I'm in big trouble. But if we say, well, you were supposed to become an accountant, you became an accountant, well done. Then how much trouble am I in? Or how much reward will I receive? Okay, so... If I go back to last week, just one week out of my life, and I have to measure how much worry, fear, anxiety, doubt, unbelief, double-mindedness um, uh, I had lived out in my week, how much did I not walk circumspectly and how much time did I not redeem? How is judgment going to go for me? See what I'm, I'm looking at. I just want us to, it doesn't help me move on from here. This is mindset. This is a mindset that's going to impact us every moment of every day. This is going to determine how we serve Him, how we read the Word, how we pray. This is why I'm not trying to teach us something. I want us to grasp something. I want us to grasp something. The world out there is, in some way, convinced that their righteousness is enough and yet they're constantly condemned because of this thing. It's deep rooted. Deep rooted. It's deep in us. It's deep in us. Can we read Colossians now please? No, that he has um, now the list of requirements to the cross. Now, what do we do with this then? So we were going to, just to, tell, to, to show you why um, Nadia wants to move on, we were going to do all the crowns, we were going to do his return, uh, all the scriptures, when he returns, but we can't actually move on to it because we actually are looking at a nail that has been driven very deep into our coffins. Uh, yes. Colossians chapter 2. Do you want to read the whole thing or just that part? You can read the whole thing. Okay, from, verse, from chapter 1, verse 1. No, I'm joking. From chapter 2, verse 11. <laughs> Uh, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Messiah, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. How do you balance this scripture with the scripture that says we have to appear in front of the judgment seat of Messiah? Could be. But then, 
in this, mm -hmm. it says the requirements which was contrary to us. That's the law, yeah. But then there are works prepared for our hands. Yeah. Okay. So there's no longer a thing of I have to keep the law, but there are works prepared for my hands. And I think what we're looking at, what we're trying to get at is what is the effect? We know there, were, there are works prepared for our hands. What happens if we get some of it right and what happens if some of it we don't get right? Where do we end up? What happens with that? Because salvation is a free gift, that part we understand. But what happens with the works? Those that are good and those that are bad. What happens? How do you measure it? How do you measure it? Because you're in the medical profession, you could theorize that every time you go to work and you help people, those are good works. Very good. And he is the complete fire, so we actually want the fire. So we don't want the bad stuff. Now you can do your glory thing, please. Because mm -hmm. she already took us there. Is that all right? Mm. Let's do the glory thing and then we unpack this. And then we unpack this. Tadat, the bend the introduction. <laughs> introduction done. Yes. So, yeah, okay. We're arriving at the answer. The reason. Why we will have to keep the record of the wrong and the bad and the negative is because we also want to keep the record of the good, don't we? Mm. That's the reason we, have, we end up with uh, having a book to balance. Because, mm. Lord, did you see that? I was so patient. <laughs> Store up, yeah, uh, talents. Okay, so he's going to give you of what is his, and you have to use that according, but he will give to you of what is his according to your what? Your what? Abilities. Okay, so you have something that matters. He's not just going to decide, oh, I'll give you five, I'll give you two. There's something here. He created capabilities, you developed it. Okay? But he's going to give you up what is his to use. You can't use yours. You're not going to use your capabilities. Mm -hmm. According to your capabilities, he's going to give you entrusted. So there's a responsibility according to what he created, what you have. Okay? So the more he gives, the more he's going to require back. Then why did he give the guy one and then judge him for not doing anything with it? Well, he's just a vessel. The vessel can't complain that the God's judging him because he was made for that purpose. Okay, very good answer. Now, if I knew the Lord was going to give to me according to my abilities, 
then I would have stopped studying already at three years old and I would not have developed much. <laughs> True. I would, have, I would have gone like, let's keep things at the two talent level here and then if I can double that, less will be required. So who decides what your abilities is? Who decides? He does. <laughs> and now he's also going to give us according to, we have to receive according to what has been done in the body. The, the picture is looking worse and worse by the minute. <laughs> now do your glory thing, please. Okay. Before I just go there, I think a big part of answering this riddle is not defining, but narrowing down our idea or our concept of what the works are that we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> so what is it that we contribute? What is it that we can do that is worth anything that will not be burnt up? Because the thing is, it can't be anything that... Um, it might manifest in some way in this world, but since this world and all the works and everything that has to do with this world will be burnt up, it can't, the works itself that we will be judged according to can't be uh, the actual um, physical things that we do here mm -hmm. because it, it will not exist later in the end. So, and then here's the other important thing, the really, really, really important thing that's been important since forever and especially since we started, since we came back and we started this process, is, again, the finished work. I cannot emphasize this enough. Okay. So God creates out of the finished work and then when everything is done, we're just back to the finished work. Okay, so everything that is there in the end was there in the beginning and that does not change. And we know if you read through the scripture, everything we have, everything we are, everything that we do and everything that we are capable to do is, is coming from God's side. So the only thing that any believer ever does that's really from themselves or seems to be from themselves is the laying down of their own life. That's it. So, but even that is coming from God because God is the one who gives faith and he's the one who sends grace. And the only thing we do is we respond in obedience, lay down our lives. That's the only kind of claim that we can make to anything. Because right after that, salvation is a free gift from God. Now he fills you with his spirit. Which means that anything you do from now on that's going to be according to his will, will be because of his spirit that's living in you. Okay. So we walk out our road, whatever we do faithfully is going to be because his spirit did it in you. Okay, now we get to the end. Why throw in judgment? Now, everything that you did, again, everything that you did while on earth that was right and that was within his will was because he made you do it. He enabled you to do it. He gave you the strength and the courage and the wisdom. He led you, he gave you revelation in his word and that's why you were able to do it. 
So all the glory goes to him. So let's go. The glory of God. Here's my life. I show up and I go, yeah, Lord, I did something, so now I add glory. Right? So I live out my life and everything I do, I want to do to the glory of God. I want to be well-pleasing to Him. I want to add to His witness. I want to add worship when we get there. It's going to bring Him glory. Hallelujah. But His glory is unchanging. It's been the same since the beginning, since before the world began. His glory was His glory. It cannot change. So we're looking at a recycling process. So what happens? All the glory that I bring Him, in the end, that my life could bring to God, came from the same glory substance. It cannot come from me. I cannot add to His glory. My life cannot add to His glory. The glory that... I'm going to bring is just the glory that came from him that manifested throughout my life while I was walking on the earth and it's just going back to him because let me tell you the day of the glory of the Lord is not going to be focused on any individual it will be about him but because I'm a part of him there's going to be praise about all the things that we did that was to his glory and there will be worship for everyone and everything in that sense because we are all one. Okay. <clears throat> so let's go to Matthew chapter 25 from verse 31. And this is just after the parable of the talents. Okay. From verse 31, chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as his shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So how does these good works now now matter? Does it matter? Again, it's a mindset of the body of Messiah. Everything that we have taught over the last three weeks is we develop a consciousness of our fellowship together with um, God the Father, His Son, in the Spirit. And the way that we fellowship on this side is with the body. So every interaction, all our doings, all our coming ins and goings out, everything, we develop a mindset of body. And when we are interacting with the body, we're interacting with Him. 
when we're interacting with the body, we, uh, we're interacting with him. Okay, so now, what if and when you are all alone and there's no other parts of the body around? Are you still interacting with him? So we're back at our major theme since we got back. And this is when we think word, when we think in line with his word and the kingdom and his finished work, then we're bringing glory to him, we're interacting with his glory and we are satisfying uh, the fellowship with the spirit. But when we are busy, according to the flesh, our thoughts, our actions, our feelings, our perspective on the world and our circumstances around us from this world and from my individual perspective, then what do we do? We will receive according to what was done in the body. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians, then I'll repeat that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the inward man, the spiritual man, according to his person and his body, was reborn and will grow and will increase, increase in substance, in his likeness, in wisdom, in authority. Okay. The outward man is perishing. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we are developing a mindset, a vision, a spiritual vision. We walk by faith, not by sight. That is fashioned according to, uh, it's based upon. It has its substance according to that which exists on that side, that which is <coughs> substance and reality on that side not according to what is on this side. So that is growing in the spirit. It's also growing in wisdom, it's growing in understanding, and it is growing in authority. But when I try and take what is substance here and impose it on that, and that's what a lot of people do. We've all done it. So I'm going like, well, I am eternally serving God, and I'm going to fulfill his purposes and his plans for my life and it is all based on the career or the thing I have to do or how much I'm going, I am going to fill individually in my little space, what happens is my, my positioning is going to be in the flesh in this world and that is perishing. It cannot prosper, it is perishing. So the more I'm trying to serve God according to my, my physical person, the more I'm failing. The more I'm trying to walk with God in the Spirit according to the spiritual positioning in Him, one man, Him. Yeah, so I'm an individual here, but I start living according to that, the more I will prosper. 
the things of the Lord will prosper in my life. It will bear fruit. Does it make sense? Listen to this. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen is eternal, are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So what if he's going to, if I'm going to appear before him and he's going to uh, judge me according to what was done in the body? In the body, I did not consider or concern myself with the things of this body because I have a house there. What is the house? Okay. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. What kind of mindset is this? Full measures. Full measures. How much is Paul telling them to be concerned about what we are groaning for concerning what we will be? It's a mindset. It's a, it's a total mindset. Total mindset. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. Uh, a few moments in the day or the week when I remember to do this, this really helps me in the sight of God. Oh, every now and then I remember and I groan, oh Lord, I want to be that. But actually, um, 90% of my attention was on the rest of the time on who I am here. Prosper me here. Do this for me here. Do that for me here. Okay, do we see the difference in this? Okay, now. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We are always confident knowing that while we are in the body, we are absent from the Lord. What, why is he saying that? We are also always confident. Does it seem contradictory? Yeah. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Wait a second. We are confident even when we have to function in the body in this world because we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's why I remain confident even when I have to function in the body because my eyes are still looking through according to faith, which is us there, the body there, the finished work. That's the substance and that's the evidence. Do you see why he says he's still confident? So it's an eternity mindset all the time. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What is he saying? While he's still in the body, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing that therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your conscience. Okay, what is he saying? So when do we appear in front of the judgment seat of Messiah? Once for judgment? For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Hmm? Okay. So, 
we are looking at how often and when do you appear at the, in front of the judgment seat of Messiah? Once at the end of time when we have died? We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Okay, we are. Okay. So, if we build on the foundation mm -hmm. regarding our life here, building into the body, into the fellowship, according to that, if we build not according to what was laid by the apostle, that will be burned up. Okay. So, if we have spent in the body time in double-mindedness, worry, selfishness, entitlement, okay, is that what we will receive back into the body? Will you receive that back? On this side. On this side? Here. Yes. You can't receive it there. Yeah, but you receive that's it here. Just, yeah. So, we are going to receive that back here. The more envy we have, the more selfishness we have. Okay. So now, we are either absent from the Lord here, present with the body, or present with the Lord then, absent from the body. What happens when you are present with the Lord, absent from the body? Will you start receiving the things of eternity done there? Okay. Now, what has been done in the body? What, what will you receive according to what has been done in the body? Is he going to meet out when everything is over and done with, give, give to us what has been done in the body? So where do we have to receive this? Yeah. Yes, that is the point. Yeah. Although we cannot embrace works, we have a responsibility to measure, to weigh up, to discern, and to walk according to what has been done there. The danger is, if we start thinking that, well, we just have to behave well, not sin, and then we're fine, because there's an interaction that is going to mean that I receive back something. Okay? What is it? Has anybody experienced? Okay, this is a good example. So, I wake up on a Sunday morning and I really don't feel like going to church. I think I'm go it's a bad example because it's a church example, but I like this one. So, I think I'm going to get some rest and feel better because I didn't go to church. How often does that work out that we actually rest and feel better? Ever. So the Lord, the Holy Spirit is leading me to the Word because He wants me to, He wants to interact with me in the Word, but I decide I'm rather going to chat to my friend on WhatsApp or watch a movie or whatever. How often is that satisfying? Fulfilling. It tends to go wrong. It tends to go wrong. 
these are just simple examples of how we have to discern what is true on that side according to eternity. Just according to eternity. Okay, so let's try and wrap this up. Okay, because we can still another time look at the scriptures about his return. We didn't go to exactly what he said about the judgment day and when what happens because we're still dealing with I'm here right now. I'm here right now. Do I start living according to what? Because if I have a mindset that in any way there's going to be a judgment time where he's going to look at my life and he's going to respond to me according to what I have done, then it would mean that now I will develop a mindset that says I have to be careful and I have to try and do the right thing according to what I think his response is going to be. Problem is, I've got no idea what the right thing is. Am I supposed to go to work or stay at home and read Bible? Am I supposed to stay at home and read Bible? And just do that? Am I supposed to go out, stand on the street corner and evangelize? Am I supposed to go pray for the sick? Am I supposed to take food to the hungry? The Bible did say that on Judgment Day is going to say, well, you did take a morsel of bread to one of the brethren. See the problem here. So before we even go to what his return and his judgment, his timeline and his actions are, I'm stuck with the problem. How do I continue through life if I don't know if there's going to be a moment when he's going to weigh my actions and what I've done in the flesh? It's a real problem. It's a real problem. So where and when and how am I going to receive that? I went and appeared before the judgment seat together with every other person on the day of the Lord. And there my commitment and my surrender was to do His will and to live according to His will and His Word, to be led by the Spirit and governed by the Spirit. Now, the problem is, or the, the reality is, that every day from there is going to work in a little loop, back to that moment. So, there, at Judgment Day, I'm going to receive according to what was done in the flesh, in the body, to the degree, good or bad, to the degree that I live my life out of what He has given me, trading with what He has given me according to my abilities, to that degree, I will increase what He has given me of his. When is he going to come reconcile and balance the books? Tomorrow? Because remember, he is going to reconcile the books. He's going to come and balance the books. 
<coughs> and I will receive what has been done in the body, whether good or bad. So we will appear there to receive. Okay. So the thing forms a loop all the way back, because his glory remains his glory. Did he save me? Did he call me to righteousness with the possibility that I will only live out 30% righteousness or complete righteousness? Does the Bible say that it's his, he causes us to bear fruit? He's the also and the finisher of our faith. The good work that he started in me, he's finishing. Okay. Have we had those days when we go into the flesh and it's like we just press the pause button? Never. JP, you ever have those days? No, it doesn't feel like we've, we pressed the pause button. It's like that day didn't matter. Mm. Like spiritually, it kind of just, everything stands still. Just like that day was just... Nowhere. What happens when something's burned up? The Lord going to keep the ashes and sprinkle it somewhere for you. <laughs> you can keep it on the <laughs> mantelpiece. <laughs> so if all our sins are forgiven... All our sins are forgiven. It will not be remembered anymore. Though your sins were scarlet, it will be like wool. Okay. So he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. That's all true. And yet we today, we're spending all this time trying to figure out if we should be concerned if he's going to consider our works. Where and when are we going to receive back what we sowed in the flesh? We're going to receive it here. We cannot now go like, I'm just going to live no, out yes. of the fact that he finished everything because you are here and you are supposed to be trading with everything that he gave you of what is his. So basic bottom line. We are all called according to the word the foundation laid by Paul to live according, to, to be well pleased, to be absent from the body, but still confident while in the body because we do appear there all the time. We will receive according to that done. Now we can choose and, and walk according to the perfect reward and perfect destiny that is possible in the Lord according to what I, has been done in my flesh. I died in baptism. How did I judge with him? I judged the world to be wicked and contemptible and passing away. So I do believe that I can, as an individual, every believer as an individual can grow fully in wisdom, can know the will of the Lord perfectly, can walk perfectly in his sight, because the Bible keeps saying, be holy as he is holy, walk as he did. But then the effect, the re reality of my individual life will be according to either living there and having a mindset of fellowship in the body or not. So what caused Paul to walk the kind of way that he did? What caused Moses to walk the way that he did? 
he had his mind and his eyes focused and set and settled on the house, the finished work. So Moses becomes, he's hardly an individual, he's hardly a person. Paul is hardly a person. Do we see the difference? Paul every now and then still talks about himself in some way, but in relation to certain things, and he is not perfect in that regard. John, however, he hardly mentions anything about himself. So, can everybody go think about this, then we'll have a discussion on Thursday evening. Go think about the reality of this. Because the fact is, I don't think that any of us are yet free of the idea that I did well with the Lord, because that might occur. Or I, you know, I'm not falling short of anything. Are we not falling short of anything? And yet there's no condemnation, but only to those who walk in the Spirit. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? To be conformed to Messiah. So yes, we can answer, and we all have learned to answer that one man is the answer, because we know one man is the answer to everything. But really, is that the reality? And what does that mean, then? But the thing is, if you're going to utter the word one man, can you explain? That's the thing. So the moment... Yeah. That's it. So the moment we go into worry or selfishness or we start focusing on us, it's like we pause the eternal part of our lives. We just pause it, zinc, and we'll just go reap what we have sowed in the spirit, in the flesh. We'll receive it according to what was done in the flesh. So the sin is forgiven, but if we are going to go back into it, we'll, we'll receive it back, yeah. We will still look at his return, the actual judgment day. We'll have to put that picture in place. That's the academic part that needs to be done. But first, we couldn't do that. We can't arrive at the big answer before we've actually considered the implications of the big question we're staring at. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. So I hope nobody is upset because we didn't give you big answers necessarily, but it's each person's responsibility to go and look at, this is a big question. We agree? It's a big question. And in some way, all of us have been dealing with this question all our lives. We just didn't know it. Agreed? Okay.